0: How's it going, guys? Welcome back to the Extra Pass Pod. I am Josh Pedruti here with Jack Dimitros, and we are back. We have a lot to get into today, so we're just going to jump right in, starting with the NBA Finals. I know it's been a while, so we're going to keep it short, but we had a great Finals, um, one of the best of, I'd say, the past two or three years, honestly. I thought it was really entertaining. Our predictions were both wrong, although I did pick the winner. So I think what this Finals proved to like me specifically, and a lot of people have commented on this, but you need a top 10 player in the NBA to win a championship. We saw the Phoenix Suns team that was fundamentally sound, very well coached, had veteran leadership, had young stars, had great depth. And what 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 happened? They got spanked around by the best player on the court. And ultimately, that's my biggest takeaway from the series. Honestly, I thought it was a great finals. I thought it was honestly very good on Mike Budenholzer's part. He definitely coached better than we expected him to. I think one thing that we called early on was that the biggest mismatch might be between him and Monty Williams, but he held his own, and Giannis was just absurd. That's really all it came down to.
1: Yeah, I think uh, my biggest takeaway from this finals, and it goes back to the last finals as well, is that you know as much as uh, we talk about skill and shooting in the NBA, it's still athleticism and size that reigns supreme in the sport of basketball you know what I mean like the Milwaukee Bucks with their size Brooke Lopez and then obviously Giannis again just being so physically dominant against that 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 uh Phoenix Suns team that just small team outside of Aiton you know and similar to what the Lakers did last year in in their championship run right you know having these super-sized guys like Giannis can just do everything on both sides of the ball and completely dominate in the paint you know those guys are still the best players in the world and you know for a reason like they just wore down the Phoenix Suns you know over those games and even when Phoenix was hitting threes it didn't matter because Giannis was scoring at will in the paint whenever he wanted again three you know 40 plus point games and obviously the 50 ball to end it out just Again, one of the greatest finals games ever played, easily and arguably the probably, best. Probably, yeah. Arguably I mean, honestly, best. arguably the best. Considering his, you know, five blocks, fifty points. I know points. that's I mean, the crazy it doesn't thing. Doesn't get better than that. And again, just his series as a whole in the finals. It, again, it's one of the greatest finals performances we've ever seen. Just as a whole, uh, just unspeakable stuff from Giannis. You know, making his claim as. The best player in the world, and mm-hmm. you know, right now, I think it's I think it's hard to say there's anyone else other than maybe KD who's yeah. better, right? So. I would
0: say KD for sure, but I I definitely agree. This was like a this was a diss to the haters for Giannis. I mean, he had been receiving so much slander over the past year, and especially coming out of the bubble with that loss to the Heat. I mean, I I was talking to people that didn't even think he was a top ten player in the NBA. Absolutely bonkers, but like that's, that's what happens. Absurd. That's what happens when you don't get over the hump, right? Like, a lot of these great players, we saw it happen with D-Book. We saw it with Giannis. We've seen it with so many young guys. But once you have playoff success, your perception changes. It happened with Kawhi. I mean, after that run in Toronto, he was like, people were trying to call him the best player in the world. Like, that's all it takes. And now for Giannis, this vaults him into some rare air. I mean, I think he's probably a top 25 player of all time, arguably. You look at his resume, the stuff he's piling on already – I mean, for sure, he's on track to be a top 10 player of all time because no one has been this accomplished at 26. No one. People have had more finals, definitely, but no one has had a more well-rounded resume and just sheer utter dominance, including, I mean, that 50-point game, definitely like a top two or three game in NBA Finals history, and when you throw in the blocks, you could argue that it's the best, but just utterly dominant the whole time. I mean, the Suns played well. It's interesting to see where their future heads now that Chris Paul's probably on the way out. Um, we'll mm. talk about that in a little bit but regardless I felt like this was the sun's year honestly. I know a I lot of people a lot of people including yourself thought that they had it in the bag. I mean it's tough for them they're in a, they're in a difficult situation now they've got a lot of decisions to make this off season but we'll get into that for the bucks however this is a crowning moment because honestly I don't know if they'll ever have a better chance to win a championship within the next two to three years. With the way the Nets I, are stacked agree, up. Yeah. So, the fact that they were able to win this year, they they had to it had to happen. It absolutely had to happen. Because on the flip side, let's say KD's foot is moved back a few feet. Not to discredit the Bucs, because I've heard a lot of people few say inches. that. But yeah, a few inches, maybe. Not even a few. But let's say his foot's moved back and the Nets win the championship. It's a dark, long road for the Bucs to climb back into contention. And the Drew Holiday trade looks awful in hindsight if that happens, because... He really did not play well up until, you know, game four or five of the finals. So, I don't know. I'm happy for them. I really am. I'm happy that they are able to win this year. I just love seeing small market teams do well. And Giannis, I mean, it's it's just a story of success in Milwaukee.
1: Exactly. Shout out my Greek brother, Giannis. Uh, again, one of the greatest stories in NBA history, too. Again, from yep. selling stuff on the street eight years ago to, you know, there's that great story about him running to practice because he sent his entire paycheck back to his family in Greece. And then like a family picked him up on the way to a game. Like again, just unbelievable story. So happy for him. One of the best guys in the NBA, 100%. Uh, Just awesome to see that team and him, Again, after all, as you said, after all the struggles they went through last season and the slander he received, the no skill comments from James Harden, who is gonna just run and dunk—that's so yeah. easy. Again, yeah. stupid comments like that. Uh, again, that's no more. So happy for them.
0: Yeah, and on that on that note, my last point about this, with regards to the no skill comments, it's easy to look at that those few games down the stretch in the finals and think that Giannis just physically dominated, but he was making so many high IQ plays, some of the passes he was threading at the end of the game, the mid-range shots he was hitting, his post moves, he is a very skilled player and a very polished player at that, so I'm happy that those arguments can be put to rest. But
1: Yeah, and he still has more room to grow, too, that's the scary part. He does. The next couple of years, our are, are pride t- goes up from here for the next four or five years, for Giannis.
0: Yeah, and he's a better three-point shooter than Anthony Davis, according to last year's splits, so... Who knows? He could be a, the stretch big man of the, the modern era. Alright, well, there's <laughs> definitely
1: some context behind those I numbers. Yeah. Alright,
0: All right, so moving on to the topic of the day, the NBA draft. Tonight at 7.30. Um, you're hearing this podcast hopefully right before it tees off, so we're going to jump right in. Um, now, I've got a few questions for Jack. We're going to run through them as he is our draft expert right here. Starting off with who is the diamond in the rough? Who's the best value pick? Who's going to fall too low? Who do you like?
1: I think in this draft, it will be Sharif Cooper. Uh, I personally don't see how he's not a lottery pick. Um, he is just an absolutely electric passer. And I think the thing that's super unique about Sharif is uh, he shot over eight free throws a game in college. He played 12 oh, games wow. and shot 100 free throws unbelievable numbers for a guy who is six foot not a great athlete and he shot 80% from the line right his form is a little wonky he leans back on his shot but from what I've seen recently he sticks that and really the shot and just his size are the only problems with him because he is I mean quite frankly far and away the best passer in this draft class in a draft class with strong passers such as Josh Giddy and Kate Hunningham. I mean he uh, Sharif really has a chance to be the best passer in the NBA. Like he is a, as far as pure passing talent. I mean, he's a Trey Young level player. His the way he flows from his dribble moves into his passes is phenomenal. And his he's just an astonishing lob passer with Mm. both hands. Again, he'll go as soon as he steps in the paint, flowing from the left hand right into the lob. I mean, just elite. He fits in tight windows, he anticipates, he manipulates defenses, literally anything you want out of a passer, Sharif does that. And again, playmaking in the modern NBA is an elite trait. You need that if you wanna win championships because of you know how many three-pointers teams shoot, guys who can capitalize on those opportunities and those openings like a guy like Sharif can. I mean, I understand the concerns, right? it's tough to sell yourself on a six foot one guard who doesn't really shoot or play great defense Mm -hmm. but to me when you're drafting players anybody who has an elite trait yeah and and not just an elite trait like a top tier elite trait that has to be a lottery pick in my opinion especially a trait as good as passing and again it's not like that's the only thing he does as i said you know, it's rare to get a guy who can get to the line as much as he does and it's not like he's foul baiting and jumping into guys. He's yeah. creating the contact, right? And you know, this is something that obviously it's going to be hard to be as good at the next level with more disciplined guys and even more advanced athletes around the basket, but still, you know, he'll get better at that. He'll keep improving. And again, if the shot gets around to, you know, 35-36% from 3, seems like an I All-Star caliber as, player. Exactly right. He hmm. really has that level of potential. Um, again, to be almost uh, like a Rajan Rondo esque player, like a kind of yeah. like Ricky Rubio with more self creation ability. Again, that type of player. Again, I love Sharif. He's so exciting to watch, and I think I love him on the Lakers.
0: Okay. Yeah, it's interesting. Three point percentage in college l- this past season was twenty two percent, and he was only thirty nine percent from the field, but. at the stripe so he clearly has some potential with the shot um do you see him as a player that could evolve into having an effective three-point shot you commented on his kind of wacky form
1: yeah i absolutely do again you said the the 82 percent from the line uh if you look at you know just the history of the draft free throw percentage means more to nba three-point percentage than college three-point percentage does just uh, Mm -hmm. as a general trend and as i said the wonky form, it looks like it's been fixed a little because really the, the backwards lean is the only problem I see with this shot, you know, and it's a big problem, but it's not something yeah. that's difficult to fix because the rest of the form looks pretty good. It's not a particularly fast form, but he releases above his head. You know, it's a pretty high release for a guy as short as he is. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, again, if he can just speed that up slightly, which I think not leaning back will help him, you know, speed up the form, uh, I think he has, again, a chance to be at least average. And if he's just an average shooter, that's all he needs because with his you know combination of handle, quickness, and passing, again, just an average shot allows him to be a damn near elite offensive player because that's just how good his passing is.
0: Mm-hmm. All right, I like it. And I definitely see the rondo comp. I mean, you don't have to be an elite shooter if you're a great playmaker. We've seen that happen plenty of times. But with that in mind, we're going to move on to the next question. Who do you think's going too high in this draft who's being oversold
1: this will probably be might be a hot take but i think davion mitchell is gonna be far too high i I really don't think he's a lottery pick in my opinion uh again he's a six foot guard who's 22 years old who has one year of above average three-point shooting and again you go back to the free throw percentage do you know what he shot from the free throw line last year in college sixty four percent yeah you know again with 43 percent from three now that number looks great right until you realize that this is his I believe third or fourth year he was a junior or senior this year right and the last two years he shot thirty percent from three you know I, I hmm. really don't see how he is you know higher than his college teammate Jared Butler uh, I get again his defense is great but there's just such a limitation on how good you can be on defense. as as a six foot guy, like he has the quickness and he'll be a very good point of attack defender in the NBA. But I think his, you know, most likely outcome is to be like a less intense Patrick Beverly with a better handle. You know what Hmm. I mean? He's not a great passer either. You know, again, I think he'll be a fine shooter. And the thing I do like about him is that his pull-up game looks very nice. And again, he did shoot well on pull-ups, which is why it's, very strange why his free throw percentage was so low but you know i just think he'll be a productive nba player but it's so hard to for me to draft a guy at his age and size at you know with the lottery pick
0: yeah it's a good point i honestly did not know about his previous splits but looks like his rookie year at auburn before he transferred he was shooting 28% from 3 on very low attempts and then 32% after his redshirt year in Baylor, and then obviously with their title run, he was on fire, 44.7%. So I I honestly, I was not aware of that, but the free throw percentage is throwing me off. It really doesn't make too much sense. I mean, 44% is no joke, you know, you'd expect him to be a pretty well-rounded shooter, but at the same time, he was a 50% shooter from the field. So he has some shot creation, it seems, um, outside of that. Yeah, absolutely, he can get to the rim, but he's
1: not a great finisher there either, you know, a lack of vertical explosion. Obviously, He's six feet, right? Yeah. And he doesn't have. He's not really an explosive athlete. He's quick, but not explosive.
0: Yeah, you know what? Honestly, I kind of agree with this. I remember I saw him going like sixth overall in a mock draft a few weeks ago. Asinine. nine, the first thing that came to mind was where would he be without the Baylor title run? Obviously, mm-hmm. you can't take you can't hold that against him, right? Like he played great in the college playoffs. Yeah, he, he was even a great the best player game. though.
1: Like yeah, Jared Butler won tournament mvp for a reason yeah right but all the hype went to davion mitchell for whatever reason
0: for wearing 45 and looking like donovan mitchell and honestly i mean again not to discredit them too much but i definitely saw a little bit of the uh the donovan mitchell like comparison hype ramping up i mean he looks just like him on the court like the number the hair it's so it's so on point like it's hilarious it really is but i almost felt like people were kind of convincing themselves that um when it wasn't really true And to compare them as prospects seemed a little bit, uh, just a little bit of a stretch. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I definitely think he's going to be a top-ten pick, and whether or not that's a a smart decision remains to be seen. But um, switching gears a little bit, so that's who you think is going too high. Um, Who's the most NBA-ready in this draft, or a.k.a. who has the highest floor?
1: I feel like this is kind of cheating, but... I will go with Cade Cunningham. Okay, you know outside
0: of Cade, outside of Cade. Right, there's a right, reason he's going to go one. Outside
1: of Cade, I will go, there's a couple directions. I think Chris Duarte is a guy who, again, he's 24 years old. You know exactly what you're going to get with him. Uh, okay. He's a good off-ball defender. He's an elite shooter. He's a good athlete. Super high IQ player, can do some, you know, pick and roll as well, make simple reads. Like, again, with just his age, and his experience in college and what you've seen, you just know exactly what you're going to get from him. Another mm-hmm. guy I would love to point out, because I think he has an even higher ceiling than Chris Duarte, but a similar floor, is a guy like Moses Moody, who is an elite shooter. I think he took, like, I want to say seven threes a game last year, shot him 36%. Uh, great from the line, you know, 16 points a game, 6'6, mm-hmm. seven foot wingspan. Um, and you know, shots off movement, you know, has a beautiful form, pretty quick release, especially for a guy with such a long wingspan. Usually guys with long wingspans, you know, they take a long time to shoot the ball, just, you know, naturally, right? But mm-hmm. he's not the case for Moses Moody. I am, I love him. Uh, I I can guarantee you that he'll be a productive 3D player and possibly more on the offensive end. I think he's a guy who might be able to average, you know, 20 to 22 points in the NBA on, You know, it's like great efficiency, Mm -hmm. Uh, because he definitely showed some shot creation flashes uh, at Arkansas, especially from the mid range. He's not a great finisher, but I really love Moses Moody, and he'll be a productive player in the NBA, one hundred percent.
0: All right, I like it. Um, Now, on the topic, who is the least NBA ready? And I'm just gonna jump out there and say Jonathan Kuminga, because I feel like on the one hand he has such a high ceiling that's the reason people think he might go you know five or six in the draft but at the same time i mean watching his film he has so many things to improve on that he needs to improve on if he wants to be productive um otherwise i feel like he's just too too mistake prone too poor shot selection prone to really be effective but what do you think
1: i i do agree with you to an extent um I wouldn't say he's the least NBA ready, but as far out of the guys who I think will go top ten, I'd agree with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think he also is a guy who would have looked so much better had he gone to college instead of the G League. But I think this is actually a good thing for him, mm-hmm. right? You know, I think he probably learned so much in the G League, which is weird. He got worse as the season went by, which is probably my biggest concern with him. You know, I watched their first game. He was amazing in the first game they had. He looked like he was going to be a top-three pick. You know, he looked better than Jalen Green that first game, but it got worse as the season went by. Maybe that is teams seeing his film, knowing his go-to moves, and -hmm. that really hurt him. But I think, you know, that is something that will help him over the long term. I'm still, again, I'm not very convinced in Kaminga. I honestly don't know if I would take him with a top-ten pick. Um, Hmm. But I think, you know, he obviously has... Great flashes of just pure athleticism, but the other thing that I really don't like about Jonathan Kaminga is that he's six six. You know, people talk about him like he's a three four, like six eight. Now he's six six. I don't really think he'll be able really? to play the the four in the NBA, which really hurts him, in my opinion. Um, so I really thought again, he was six eight. Yeah, exactly. Most people do, right? He again, I will mm. say he looks six eight because he's such a you know a, a thick build. But you know the lack of height, you know, really concerns me because he doesn't really have many major skills. But another thing about Kaminga that I don't think a lot of people realize is that he did forego his senior year of high school to go right yeah. into the G League, so he's kind of a year behind in the developmental process, um, which again leads at, is another reason why he's the least NBA ready. But again, yeah. does have a high ceiling because of the athleticism, but I still. I don't know if there's a trait that he has that really separates him from you know guys, great athletes like him that have been bust in the past, right? Yeah. So I don't Although love him. I there's... believe he
0: is six eight. I'm doing some, sure? I'm doing some digging right now. Yeah, I'm pretty I'm pretty positive. Six eight, two hundred ten pounds, six eleven wingspan, but he's eighteen. Right, yeah, so
1: I I kept hearing that he's actually six six. Again, it could be wrong. No, yeah, I'm but... pretty
0: sure he is six eight. But I mean. When you bring up the that point definitely... that he foregoed his senior year and that he's 18 years old, he's not ungrown. This could mm-hmm. very easily yeah. be a 6'10", 6'11", forward. And he's already shown his, his explosiveness, his ability to dribble somewhat. I mean, I really think this is a, st- a stash pick. Like, a young team needs to take this guy and hope that he's ready in a year or two. Um, I know one team that has been mentioned when it comes to Kaminga is the Grizzlies. They traded up to 10 with the Pelicans. And I'm I'm not sure if he's gonna be there at ten. Honestly, I can definitely I don't think see him. There at I can definitely see him going much earlier, um, like in the in that five through seven range. But regardless, he is a high ceiling potential. Um, you know, a later pick that a team will draft, but definitely not gonna. I mean, he's not gonna see the court much in his rookie year. I can't imagine. And it's definitely gonna take him a while to acclimate. But I mean, if he was able to develop a jump shot more consistently you know, limit the turnovers and improve his shot selection, he could be a really special player. So I can definitely see the appeal. Mm-hmm. I agree. All right, on the topic of high ceilings, who has the highest ceiling in this first round? Um, and I'll follow that up with a different question. Who has the biggest boom or bust potential?
1: So I think uh, highest ceiling is probably Evan Mobley, center out of USC. I just think when you look at his potential on the defensive end, Mixed with, you know, a, a frame that has room to add a lot of strength mm-hmm. and his, you know, freakish agility and the way he processes the game on both ends, I think is so great for a guy his size. And if the jump shot ever gets there, the again I don't he has a weird hitch and I think he jumps a little too much on his shot. But those are things that can easily be worked out and I just think, you know, it's so rare to get a guy with his traits, you know, yeah. and he really can be an Anthony De- Anthony Davis-level player on the defensive side, which, you know, again, as you've seen in the last two playoffs, having these, you know, super versatile, long defenders who can, you know, do everything on defense. You know, Giannis isn't a great switch defender, but he does so much on help side, and Evan Mobley is, you know, elite at that switch defense. Yep. So, you know... I just think he has potential to be a, a dynamic player. Obviously, you know, all of the top three have insane ceilings, but I think he's the one that stands out to me uh, as far as the ceiling goes. Um, and then as far as your boomer bust, uh, I think there's two guys that uh, sh- come to me. Uh, and one is Zaire Williams, uh, small forward from Stanford. He had a really turbulent uh, year. Uh, I, I believe there was a, a death in his family, and then uh, Stanford was staying at hotels for a good portion of the season because of how bad COVID was with their team. Hmm. So many different factors. You know, he got hurt as well, uh, but he was a very highly rated um, high school player who shows a lot of shot creation ability. You know, it's a beautiful shot. He's, you know, 6'10 wing, uh, who can really get his shot off against anybody. Uh, hmm. You know he's a good defender. He showed a lot of playmaking promise as well in the pick and roll. I think this is a guy who he potentially could be the third or fourth best player in this draft class. My really? opinion. I mean, he is that like if he you know gets to that top outcome, I love him. What he can do is incredible. Another guy who I don't even know if it would be a first round pick. Uh, who I think is absolutely in this conversation is J.T. Thor. Uh, I, I've seen. I think. Uh, the best comparison I've heard for him is he's like, uh, he's like, kind of like what what I think we thought uh, Thon Maker would be, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? He's a six, nine and a half guy with long arms, can block shots at the rim, has okay. a handle, can shoot the jumper, is just incredibly raw, which is his problem, right? I... I I honestly think he probably should have stayed at college another year, Mm -hmm. right? But, you know, he's not really a good passer. He doesn't have, you know, all that. But just the flashes of, you know, shooting, uh, great defense, just incredible lateral quickness for a guy his size, you know, I think that makes him a guy who, you know, put in the right situation, given time to develop, you know, in a place like Houston or OKC, uh, would just be, has potential to be an an excellent player and an elite nba player i mean i really think he has that kind of potential
0: okay all right so we've laid out most of our questions but there's one more big one on the table and uh this has really become a hot topic in the past few days as the thunder have made shy gilgeous alexander available in trade talks now this is a guy who i thought was an all-star snub last season um personally i think he should be untouchable but there's been murmurings that SGA and the sixth overall pick in the draft, again, a great pick in this draft, but that those two assets are available for trade, um, and I believe the Thunder tried to move up into the top three with that
1: package, but... They tried to move to top one. That's the only one yeah. that was like rumored to be offered, and then there was a rumor that came out that said the Cavs would not accept that package, the third overall pick, which I think is kind of crazy, but considering Evan yeah. Mobley might be there, I, I understand
0: all right, so with that in mind, what's more valuable in this draft? SGA and the 6th or a top 2 pick in this draft?
1: Honestly, I might go with the top 2 pick. You know, really? 99%, 90% of years, I would say the opposite. Again, I'm with you. I love SGA. Such a great finisher, uh and he really showed such improvement with his shot this year. Um but this year, like the top 3 to me is just so incredible. I mean, I think that you know, as I said, I think Evan Mobley has the highest ceiling of this class, and he's likely to go number three. I'm pretty sure, like, you know, when we were talking about high end, highest floor, you know, I think Kate Cunningham's floor is basically uh, Chris Milton, but a great passer. Hmm. Um, and then Jalen Green has you know, Bradley Beal, Zach Levine type potential, you know, but I I I think you know I would take. SJ over Jalen Green. Okay. So I get that, but you know, it's it's tough. You know, like it's SJ is such a great player and you know, with sixth pick you can probably get a high level player. You know, I think right now the projected sixth pick is is James Booknight out of UConn, who's like a explosive scorer. You know, teams think he'll shoot the ball a heck of a lot better than he did in college. Uh mm-hmm. He's got that three-level scoring, got that space creation, you know. So having that and SGA on your team would be a miracle for any rebuilding team. But I think the main thing that holds teams back from wanting to do this trade, and if I was a GM, would be the one thing that, you know, would make me not do this trade, outside of the fact that the top three in this draft class is just so incredibly strong, is teams' And especially small markets value team control so much. You know, mm. when you can get a guy like I think all three of these top three picks, teams are gonna say, "I think this guy is better than S will be better than SGA within the next two years." Right, and SGA is already gonna be into his fourth year. You're gonna have to start paying him soon. Again, I hate this mindset, right? But this is how teams think. Mm. You know, Interesting. these small markets they want to have a guy who they'll have on the cheap contract for the next four years, because these teams aren't ready to win now, you know? So having those extra three years to build around your player means a lot, you know? And I think that's a big reason why teams are not jumping on, you know, this, this SGA trade as much as you may think. Um, because that's just what teams care about. You know, these GMs, the above all else, they care about their job and, uh, having the, you know, having draft picks and stuff like that will always keep your job. You know, having assets and having a direction, right? And I think, you know, while SGA is already a borderline franchise player, I still think that, you know, teams value these this top three higher than him.
0: Yeah, honestly, that's a really interesting layer to it. I didn't really consider um, contract extensions when I was thinking about SGA, given that he's only 22, And you're right, though. He's going into his fourth year. He's about to be extension eligible. And that is, I mean, that's how teams think. You're right. I mean, so many teams we've seen it in the past have shipped players off before paying them if they can get a favorable return. And honestly, with that in mind, it doesn't seem too bonkers to try and move up. I mean, you're right. Like, Shai is a great player. He's a borderline all-star. I think, personally, he should be a franchise cornerstone, especially for a team like OKC. I mean... Come on man, a 66 guard who's shooting 50 40 90 in his third year, great playmaker, Insane, like insanely efficient. And one stat I heard about Shy last season, up until he tore his plantar fascia, um, like you know, th- three quarters of the way through the season or whatever, 87% of his field goals were unassisted. Oh
1: that yeah. That was that was the highest
0: share. That was the highest share of unassisted field goals made outside of KD and Steph Curry. That's pretty wild. And to hold up, you know, almost better efficiency than those two players is absurd. I mean, again, he's knocking on the door 50-40-90 if he gets his free throws up a little bit, averaging 24 points per game, and he's a great facilitator. I would, you know, kill to have him on the Celtics um, and build along with him, and I'm sure many teams would, but I think ultimately the Thunder will hold on to him because they have the sixth pick, and that asset alone is going to be insanely valuable um it just doesn't make too much sense to give up on shy before paying him given how young he is and given and how well he fits gi- the mold
1: and given how much the fan base loves him yeah you know i think that's another thing that these teams got to start considering more is the fan base they don't want to give up sga you know they've come attached to him over the last couple of years and mm-hmm. i really think they got a group there you know with all those picks hopefully they can move up i think they'll they're another team who will move up with their 16 and 18 right try to move up but uh yeah again i i think it would be an l for both teams uh for that trade you know that makes any sense
0: yeah i mean i've heard so many jalen brown trades and hypotheticals this offseason especially from national writers who don't really follow the celtics and one thing that they always miss in those reports what do the fans think how would the fans react if you ship jalen brown away for bradley beal I mean, like, that is a huge factor, and it definitely is with SGA. I mean, it's something that GMs have to consider, too, because as much as money's a factor, your fans' loyalty is a factor. That's how you create your market. And you can't just dump your franchise player for, you know, a marginally better asset. But that about finishes our draft talk. Again, before, draft is before tonight.
1: Move yep, God. ahead. Uh, you know, into a free agency. There's a few other players I, I would like to talk about. Um, okay I think I want to talk about the international guys uh, first Josh Giddy and Uzman Garuba Josh Giddy is a really really unique prospect to me Um, he's an elite passer at 6'8 you know you just don't get that very often and Mm -hmm. he played at a high level uh, in the NBL again one of the five best leagues in the world right you know we saw how good LaMelo was immediately last season now I don't think Josh Giddy is Lamella, right? He wouldn't be projected to go, you know, in the 10 to 12 range if he was. He doesn't have the same handle. Uh, His jump shot is a little funky. It looks like uh, he shoots like a guy who's never played organized basketball before in his life, but just has played a lot of pickup. Uh, It's super weird. But, again, (laughs) you can't deny his, you know, IQ. And, again, I think just IQ at that size is such, so in demand right now, you know, elite pick and roll playmaking to be like a, like a, not a role player type, like, I don't know, like a super, super high level backup point guard to starting point guard with, you know, a scoring wing, Mm -hmm. you know, a guy who can really facilitate while also just, again, it's the the size coming back to the size, but, you know, with passing, just being able to see over the defense and see all the gaps yeah. It makes a huge difference. And I think, you know, he's not a great athlete at the moment. He's not a great on ball defender, but he can develop into being average. And again, I think he'll be a really, really good player for a long time. And another guy who I, I really like, I've been high on this whole draft, is Usman Garuba. Uh, his defense is just unbelievable uh, 6'8, 7'3 wingspan, um, you know, 230. I think he, he can even grow even more. He's a guy who. You know, we talk about switchable defenders. Uh, He can legitimately guard one through four the instant he walks into the NBA. And if he puts on more weight, I think he could play small ball center as well. Again, he's just, you know, defensive versatility and instincts on another level. Like, I'm pretty sure he'll make an all defensive team at one point in his career, Mm -hmm. at least if he gets the minutes, because his offense is bad. <laughs> like I hate to put it like that but he's you know too short to be a great lob threat. He's a good passer for a big man, but his shot really isn't there right now. I think he shot like 30% from 3 um mm. pretty much all open and from the corners, you know, so not a great sign, but if he can develop that jump shot become an average shooter as well as, you know, hopefully some playmaking out of the short role and yeah. just again Elite defense. I really think he'll be a treat for any team that grabs him up.
0: And he's only 19 years old.
1: Hmm. I think and, one... you know, been playing professional ball.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's that's my next point. I mean, we've seen it with the Olympics this year. We've seen it with the best player in the finals being international. Arguably, one of the best young players in Luka Doncic being international. Last year's MVP being an international player. There's so much talent across the country and across the world, rather. Um, and I feel like the Olympics are kind of proving this too. I mean, what what we're witnessing, like one of the most talented rosters that you could put together on this planet, get spanked around. What do they have three losses already? Like that's no joke. I mean, yeah, obviously you can attribute that to chemistry issues and coaching mechanisms, but the point is that oftentimes international prospects are being undersold when really, I mean, they, they are the diamonds in the rough because, they're low profile. No one, no fans know about them until they're drafted. I still remember that video from the uh, like 2017 or whatever when Chris Saps Porzingis was drafted. Mm-hmm. And that that one New York Knicks fan was screaming about Tingus Pingus the whole time. And like honestly, that's how most people react to international players. I'm gonna be honest. I did not know who Uzman Gruba was until you just mentioned him. And I'm googling him now and figuring this out. But like a guy like Josh Giddey, two weeks ago. I guarantee you like two percent of NBA fans knew who he was. You know, come draft night, he's gonna be a top ten pick and people will start to figure that out. But um also Alperin Sengun, I've heard he's um a pretty noteworthy prospect. He's like a six ten old school center. Um he said he's models his game after Shaquille
1: O'Neal. Um Yeah, I mean he doesn't really play like Shaq. He uh is uh, he's a good passer as well and he's got incredible footwork for a guy his size i mean a devastating spin move in the post and he's got counters off that as well mm-hmm. and uh 80 from the line and has potential as a shooter he only shot 20 percent from three but there's a clip of him drilling a step back three out there uh i mean he's got offensively i think he can be really really good
0: yeah and again this guy is 18 years old just turned 19 but he's he was 18. MVP, yeah, he was 18 when MVP he won MVP of, of the Turkish of league of
1: one of the again Turkish league, another one, probably the third best league in the world. Really? Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean that's incredible. And to think that where do you think he's projected to go? Like in the 20s?
1: Uh, I think he'll go. I think he'll be a lottery pick. You think so? Yeah. I mean, I, I, think, I hope so. Given this conversation, I think, like, I think he's he's nine to 17. That okay. area, you know, that tier.
0: Yeah, honestly, I have not been more excited to watch a draft in a while because... Yeah, there's
1: this draft is super, super unpredictable. Outside of yeah. the top three, probably four, I think Jalen Suggs is pretty much locked in at four to the Raptors. Yeah. um, And, and I think, again, I think Scotty Barnes is probably the pick at five as well. Mm-hmm. But outside of the five, there's so much leeway that I have no idea what's going to happen. You know... Again, I talked about, you know, JT Thor is one of the biggest boomer bus. busts. You know, Tankathon has him as the 42nd pick. You know, there's yeah. guys who I think, you know, I really think, you know, say 22 to like 30, 35, right? Like, those guys can go pretty much anywhere. Yeah,
0: and I mean, it's just so deep. Like, I'm very excited to see who the Celtics pick at 16. And I can't say how it was last year. Um, well, they don't
1: have their pick at 16.
0: Oh, yeah, no, I mean, um... Where are the Lakers picking? Where are the Lakers picking? 22. 22? I mean, like, again, even at 22, like, there's going to be someone there that you can be really excited Mm -hmm. about. And you can't say that about every draft class, but this one's just so freaking deep that, I mean, yeah, I'm very excited, but we're going to switch gears a little bit now, unless you have any final thoughts for the draft. That's about it. All right, yeah, so let's hear free agency talk. This is going to be... I mean, there's, there's no, like, crazy free agency narratives this year. We were supposed to have the Giannis free agency this offseason, but it's not here. Basically, we have a lot of old guys who want changes of scenery. Um, we have some injured guys, but we'll start with Kawhi. Tours ACL in the playoffs. Really tough injury. You could argue they win a championship if things go the right way, but Kawhi is probably going to sign with the Clippers. There's not too much discussion there. My main question is: Is this a smart move? I mean, I know that they kind of have to because of the position they're in with Paul George, but what is this team going to look like when they have a year without Kawhi, um, and then he signed to a max deal after? I mean, how, what's their path forward?
1: I mean, you just have to roll with with sorry with what you have. Again, this team because of all the assets they gave up for Paul George, they don't have much flexibility. And without Kawhi this season, I think they're going to have a hard time, you know, getting any, you know, ring chasers on the team because who's going to want to go to the Clippers with no Kawhi, you know? So for this particular season, I kind of think they're screwed, to be honest. But I still think that with PG and Kawhi and the group that you've got, an elite coach in Tai Lu, you know. By the time Kawhi gets back, this is still going to be a team that can contend for a championship. So obviously, this is a huge setback for the Clippers and especially Kawhi individually. But I don't think there's much they can really do other than bring back Kawhi. You know, yeah. losing him is uh, is you cannot lose him. You know what I mean? Like you lose if you lose him, you're going to have to trade PG. You're going to have to blow it all up without any yep. of your picks. That's just not a feasible, you know, solution for a team that's opening up a new stadium in a couple of years with an owner who's willing to spend as much money as possible. They simply cannot be you know, bad for the next few years.
0: No, you're right. So, they really sold all their assets. Uh, they, they just
1: have to Again, they just have to bring Kawhi back and they will. Yeah. So
0: No, they will. It's just a question of you know, 18 months from now when Kawhi's finally seeing the court again. What's that team going to look like with 32-year-old mm-hmm. Paul George, 32-year-old Kawhi coming off an ACL? Who knows what the rest of the roster is going to look like at that point. Honestly, it's really a damn shame that he got hurt yeah, this they're, year.
1: They're going to lose a lot of free agents this season. They as are. Well.
0: They are. A lot of important free agents. I mean, mm-hmm. Reggie Jackson was their second best player in the
1: playoffs. Like. Yep. Nick Batum, uh, yep. he was voted MVP by the like, the Clippers Rock locker room. He's gone, almost yep. certainly.
0: It's Yeah, it's going to be interesting. The team's going to look very different. I'm kind of still wondering whether or not they're going to pursue another ho- high-profile free agent this offseason because, you know, as close as they were to nipping success, I feel like they, they really were far away. Um, and, yeah, Ty Lue did a great job, but the roster had its flaws. And, I mean, Reggie Jackson becoming like a 30-point-per-game scorer kind of covered those, but <laughs> I'm not sure what their future looks like. So moving on to another aging veteran who looks to sign for big money, Chris Paul. I mean, I am not super confident he's going back to Phoenix. I'm not going to lie. I think it makes sense. I think he should do it. But I don't know. I feel like the way that they went out might have put a sour taste in his mouth. And as promising as the bright future songs looked, I'm really not sure what he's thinking. He's given very indefinitive answers when it comes to his future um, in Phoenix. So I'm honestly not sure. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I think there are... I think he's probably going back to the Suns, but it's Chris Paul. I think the one thing he's looking for above all else is the bag. You know, he, uh, as the president of the Players Association, like I want to say last season or the season before, he made it so that guys who are age 38 can get, you know, the, the super big extensions still. It used to be you know, if you were 36, you could no longer get, you know, the big extensions. Our or, or rule of that, I don't know the exact details, but something like that. And uh, so that tells me he's still going for the bag, right? He's going to try to get it as big of a deal as possible. And I think he can probably get it from Phoenix. And I do think it's the best place for him to win. From what I've heard, it looks like he's either going to Phoenix or New York to play with the Knicks. Yeah. You know, uh, I don't really see any other possible solutions or. You no know, possible destinations for him, uh, and you know the Lakers are out of the picture. Yeah, it's it's basically impossible for the get for them to get him. The only way they can get uh, Chris Paul is through an opt-in and trade, which is the exact same way he got to Houston. Mm-hmm. But the Suns are not going to trade him to the Lakers. Yeah, There's no, no way. No <laughs> so again, I, I think it's interesting, but I do think it's likely he stays with Phoenix. Why, whether that's a good move for them yeah, is another question to me because, you know, I saw this tweet a few months ago and it stuck with me ever since. You know, the first year with Chris Paul is great. You know, look at the 2018 Rockets, right? The next couple of years, he starts getting on guys' nerves and the teams just are not as good. Again, yeah. 2019 Rockets. You know, the rest of the Lob City era, just he you know i love chris paul but i think his leadership style it does a toll on guys over time so i don't know if you know it's a you know if it's going to be positive if he comes back on a long-term deal in when until he's 40 years old which is an insane
0: overpay at that point like exactly it will be be an insane overpay it's crazy that we're having this conversation because i remember literally two months ago people were saying he should be in mvp considerations and I think that one thing that the playoffs proved, aside from that narrative was bullshit, was that he did not deserve all the credit, um, not even close. I mean, it was very clearly a team improvement, which kind of makes me wonder at the same time, is he their best option going forward? I'm not sure if you want 39-year-old Chris Paul leading your backcourt. It just doesn't yeah, seem mean, like a recipe for success.
1: I'm All I'm saying is that before campaign sprained his ankle against the Clippers, who was the best point guard on the Phoenix Suns in this playoffs? It
0: was campaign, statistically, visually, on the court, in the late game. I mean, it was campaign, honestly. Exactly. Yeah, like, yeah. I know, it seems it, crazy to say that, too. People were, like, denying true. that, but it was it's true. It's
1: just true. Like, watch the games, bro. Like, he was yeah. against the Lakers. Campaign was the third best player for the Suns. At, uh, debatably second he was just as good as eight in that series honestly yeah
0: so and I mean the Suns still have so much potential as a young core with like their their central pieces that I don't I'm not sure if he fits their timeline anymore it was great for this past season and they had their window of opportunity but I mean going forward if you're tied down to Chris Paul money when he's again like 39 and 40 as Devin Booker's entering his prime as Aiden's entering his prime that could just really hinder what you're trying to do as a front office
1: Mm -hmm.
0: all right so switching over to another undersized point guard who wants a big payday kyle lowry honestly i think kyle lowry is a better player than chris paul at this point so the conversation is going to be slightly different but this is a guy who can come into your locker room provide some leadership hit shots play still solid defense um great defense yeah
1: pass the ball at a high level
0: exactly i think kyle lowry is due for a payday um again I think that you're still gonna have to accept that you're overpaying at the back end of this contract but I've heard reports that it could only be a two-year deal for him um so where do you think he
1: should end up I think there are three places that are an option for Kyle Lowry I think number one to me is still probably Miami I, I know him and Jimmy Butler are our boys uh I think he'd fit great with that heat culture um, oh God. but will they give him the huge payday? I don't really know, right? Yeah. I think they'll have to let Duncan Robinson walk if they want to get Kyle Lowry. So I don't know if they'll give him that huge payday. And I think the other thing about Kyle Lowry is you mentioned that it might only be a two-year deal. I think the team that gets him is the team that gives him the three-year deal. And I really yeah. do not think that Miami Heat are willing to give him a, a, a huge three-year deal, which leads me to the two other teams that I really think both have the money we'll give him a three-year deal and he fits great on and these are two teams that i think are in a very similar situation to the phoenix suns were last year i think these two teams are the dallas mavericks and the new orleans pelicans right yep. we actually we should definitely talk about the trade they made after we talk about free agency but oh yeah the biggest thing that that trade did was open up a ton of cap space they can offer Kyle Lowry the most money. The New Orleans Pelicans, I should say, can offer Kyle Lowry more money than any other team. And I've heard that they very much want him on the squad uh, because, as, I, as you said, uh, I, they think he can have a CP3 effect on their team. And I totally agree. Uh, I think he would be an excellent fit for them. Uh, and that would be an incredible signing for them. And I think, you know, while, yeah, he doesn't fit their timeline, I don't think teams are really concerned about that. I think similar to the Chris Paul thing. You know, they want a guy who can show these guys how to win games. You know, these young teams, they have talent, but they, you have to learn how to win in the NBA. You know what I mean? And Kyle Lowry knows how to win. He's a tough guy. And I think he has a game that will age just as well, if not better than Chris Paul's. Right. So I'm not as concerned about giving him a long-term deal. Uh, So I think there or Dallas, I personally think he probably ends up in Dallas. Um, I think Dallas will do whatever they can to get him. And I think it's just a better, an even better fit for him. Uh, You know, playing with alongside Luca as he ages will be, you know, allow him to play a ton off ball and, you know, Mm -hmm. help that defense and give toughness to a team that really needs it. You know, Maybe I'm biased because I'm such a big Luca fan and I watch so many Mavs games that I want him there because I think he'd just be an unbelievable fit for that team, right? But I think it's down to those places, those two places for Kyle Lowry.
0: Yeah, I mean, I would say I still think the Knicks are a threat um, in the same way they are for Chris Paul. Again, they both fit the mold pretty well, but going back to the Kawhi injury, I was so confident that Kyle Lowry was going to be the uh, the Clippers' like number one priority this offseason. And honestly, if Kawhi was fully healthy, I still think he would be. I think mm-hmm. they'd throw the I bag agree. at him. I think they'd go well into the luxury tax. But another example of where like that one year makes so much difference because then you're coming back to a, a healthy Kawhi. But by that time, Kyle Lowry's almost 37. Like, There's just so many variables at play. When it comes to the Pelicans... I think that they've been feeling a lot of pressure lately. I mean, just like look at the success that their former players have when they leave the New Orleans Pelicans. We saw with Anthony Davis, we saw with Drew Holiday, and just this season we heard reports that Zion's dad doesn't want him in New Orleans. He thinks it's a terrible place for him. And quite frankly, I'm not sure I disagree. I think the Pelicans have a lot to prove this offseason, and they really do need to make a splash, otherwise... It's going to be really hard to keep Zion happy, and I can't imagine him wanting to stay past his rookie deal, um, given his situation. I mean, think about how well he played last year and how little it mattered. Uh, So I think that, personally, the Pelicans are in a much more desperate situation. I can definitely see them wanting to overpay, but yeah, I I don't know. I think that's the best fit. I'm just, again, not really sure if Kyle Lowry, as great as he is, puts them that much over the edge. Um... But yeah, let's talk about that trade real quick, because I feel like that kind of just flew under the radar, but it was a pretty significant upgrade for the Pelicans, I thought, at the center yeah, position. I mean,
1: I thought, I'd love to trade for the Pelicans. I honestly have no idea how they pulled this off.
0: All right, let's um, go through, let's go through the statistics again, uh, the names that were thrown around. It was Jonas Valanciunas sent to the Pelicans for Eric Bledsoe and Steven Adams, and then the picks that were swapped.
1: And then also the Lakers pick next year is going to the Memphis Grizzlies. Yeah,
0: so I mean, yeah, I kind of agree. I don't know why Memphis made this trade necessarily. I mean, Stephen Adams they, is only 28 years old. I think that's
1: crazy. Um, so he like again, I think that's kind of lateral movement. But like it's, him and it's a down. It's a down. It's a significant. It's a significant downgrade from Jonas Valanciunas. I mean, I don't think people realize how good Jonas Valanciunas was last year. Yeah, he was almost as good as John Morant last year. Like I know that sounds crazy. But he was that good. I mean, he's a great inside scorer. He's an elite rebounder. And he has a good mid-range shot and a little bit of a three-point shot. I think he'll shoot a lot of threes next year with the Pelicans. Um, but he's such a good player. And again, so he's like kind of... He is a similar player to Steven Adams, except he's just a lot better, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so I love... I mean, he's the best player in this trade easily right and he's on no, for the sure. cheapest contract. So, you know, and I, I think the main thing uh you know, I, Memphis had a ton of cap space this offseason. They're not really a free agent destination and they 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 definitely want someone at that 10th pick. I think I I've heard it's Josh Giddy uh who yep. I think would be a really good fit for them or uh potentially a really good fit, right? But um so that's why I think they made this trade, but I, I still think this is a downgrade for Memphis. I, you know, think this is a maybe they're going to try to play Jaron Jackson a lot more at the five, but I don't know if that's a good, you know, fit for him. I don't think he wants to play the five, and I'm still worried about his injuries. He's been an injury prone player his entire career. Yeah. So even though they're getting these assets, I don't think, you know, Memphis is a team that. They have so many good young players. Like, unless they're really going to get a great player at the 10th pick, I don't particularly like the street for them. And you're just getting bad contracts on your team. And I know they reportedly want to move off of uh, Bledsoe, but it's easier said than done for a guy who's shown to be a terrible playoff performer and is on a big deal.
0: Okay, I mean... Talking about contracts, we mentioned earlier how teams are often looking to ship players off before they have to pay them. Jonas Valanciunas has one more year left before he's an unrestricted free agent. So if you're Memphis, yeah, you're taking on two pretty bad contracts, but you get two startable players, realistically. Like, you can start Eric Bledsoe and Steven Adams. It's not going to be pretty. And yeah, you, you probably can't
1: start, You can't start Eric Bledsoe next to Ja though.
0: No, yeah, and you don't want. You, you definitely don't want all three of those guys on the floor at the same time. But they get two serviceable players. I think Stephen Adams is a fine player. I mean, again, yeah, you're right. He's not. He's nothing like Jonas Valanciunas. He's not going to be nearly as productive. But if you're Memphis and you know you don't want to pony up to pay 30 year old Jonas Valanciunas in a year, it's not the worst move in the world if you think you can get your guy at 10. I'm surprised to hear you say that Giddy's a fit next to Morant. Honestly. I was thinking the exact opposite. I don't know how they'd fit um, if, like, you know, they're both pretty much on-ball playmakers primarily, and Giddy can't think, shoot, but...
1: I think Giddy, he has he did shoot... I will say about Giddy, he shot very well in the end of last season. I think teams buy his shooting potential, and I think he's more of a guy who would be, like, the the backup. As I said, I think his best role is, like, an elite backup point guard. Hmm. You know what I mean? I think... They need another guy who can pass the ball outside of John Morant. You know, I think in the future, like they—they're a team who just they love the they love the draft nerd players. You know what I mean? I think, uh, and that's exactly what Josh Giddey is. So that's why I think he's a fit for the Pelicans. I think he's a fit for their culture more so than on the floor. If that makes Mm -hmm. any sense, you know they have so many good defenders. They need more offensive punch, which I think he can add. Uh, so, which is why I think he, he's a good fit there, and they'll give him time to develop. But I, I definitely don't think it's the best fit for him.
0: Okay. I, I can buy it. All right. We got a lot of free agents left, and then we got to get into our Lakers Celtics mailbag. So, real quick, yeah, let's wait. run through some of the names left on this list. John Collins, where's he going?
1: Uh, you know, he's one of the guys where I have no idea.
0: Yeah, I agree. There's <laughs> There's a lot of I was guys thinking that, that as I asked that. I have no clue. I have
1: clue. no clue. Because. I don't think he's back with the Hawks. I think he'll probably be signed and traded somewhere. I just don't think that... I you know... Uh, I think we talked about this on a prior episode. Uh, the Hawks owner was super honest. And he was like, yeah, we will, to be honest, we're not going to be able to bring everybody back uh, if we're not going to be... Or I'm not willing to bring everyone back unless we're going to be a championship-level team. And I think John Collins is probably... It's probably gone. I think they want to play... Uh, Shoot, what's his name? This, uh, this is DeAndre bad. Hunter, um, yeah, DeAndre Hunter at the four yeah. in the future,
0: and also and like lo- John Collins would be one of the worst max extensions in the NBA, in my opinion. Like, yeah, he's a great player, but that's like that's the fringe for max contracts.
1: Mm-hmm. And and I think for him, he's a weird fit, right? Because he's a five on offense and a four on defense. Yep. Right, he's an elite, elite role man, one of the best lob puts in the entire NBA, and he can shoot.
0: Yeah, that's the thing. He's a stretch but, five on offense.
1: Yeah, exactly. But where does he fit on defense? Like, I think maybe a good fit for him would be a team like the the Mavericks. But I, I think the they want thing. a, but they want a playmaker next to Luca more so than they want another play finisher. You know, yeah. I think they want to take some of the pressure off Luca. So I think they're an option. You know, looking at some of the teams with cap space, like San Antonio doesn't make sense. They have Kelvin Johnson. They love him. He's he's a you know an exclusive power forward, yep. so I don't really think he's going there. I, again, I think it's likely to be a a sign and trade to a team like I don't know, like
0: honestly, yeah. I, again, this I, is it's just I really don't friend. know.
1: Um, but you mentioned like, the
0: Spurs. Do you want to hop onto like DeRozan? Minnesota, yeah. Minnesota
1: might be a might be a fit for John Collins. Maybe that actually right? that would not but, be a
0: terrible fit at all. I've
1: heard they're interested in him, yeah. right? But there's so many different places I think he he can fit, but also has negative. You know, he's just a he's a very good po- weird player. Yeah. All right. And, so, uh, you know, as you said DeRozan, he's another guy I have no idea. He's the most the most confusing free agent to me.
0: He's yeah, he's one of them. And I'm just wondering like where does he fit? I've heard people say he's a good fit for the Celtics. I've heard him say that he wants to go to LA.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I I don't I, know. I mean, like DeRozan, he was a very productive player last year. I still think he's a starting caliber player, but he's he such a weird. Is. He's such a weird player.
1: You know, you know where I think is a great fit for him. I do think LA is a great fit for him. The Clippers, not the LA team you're thinking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the Clippers. I Honestly. think he's oh yeah, an awesome fit on the Clippers, especially if you're going to be without Kawhi for a year. Well it would be hilarious to have the two guys who got traded for one another on the same team. Um <laughs> Yeah. One taking one spot while the others hurt, right? But But I no, realistically,
0: who, I mean that's a perfect fit because DeRozan, he's mm-hmm. become a real solid playmaker. A never great playmaker. gonna be he's never gonna become a great shooter. But you put him on a team with the best three point shooters in the league, bring and back so some great of those to shooters. To the rim. That was the yeah. problem the Clippers had. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it, it would be a perfect fit and almost make them a big three esque, but you run into the same issue where you're gonna have basically a dead year of his contract while you're waiting for Kawhi to come back. But yeah, honestly, I think we found his destination. That's a great fit.
1: <laughs> yeah, but and I again, I've heard the Lakers rumors, but like he makes less sense the for the interview. Lakers. Like you guys struggle with spacing already. And and also, um, you know, there was the interview where he talked about wanting to play with LeBron and AD and how that would be a great fit and how he wants to come back to LA. But is he signing in LA for the... The mid-level taxpayer, exception? Not, not even the mid-level exception. The taxpayer mid-level yeah. level exception, which is, I think, I want to say 4.7 or 5.7 mil. Exactly. Like, again, DeMar who's a, is a guy who had a case to be an all-star last year. He's not... Yeah. like I don't care how much he wants to go back to LA. He's not going for 5 mil.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. But, I mean, again... He would be a great fit for the Clippers. He'd be a great fit for any team that struggles to have a playmaker, but I think he would be a good fit on the Celtics and the Clippers. I also
1: think think Dallas is a possible destination for him. Yeah, oh, uh, 100%. Well, if they strike out on Lowry and Conley.
0: Yeah. All right, so let's get into Conley. Honestly, I would rate DeRozan higher than Conley, personally. I disagree pretty I think strongly, he has, but... I mean, it depends, though. Like, DeRozan can take on
1: a bigger role, and... Yes, but he sucks in defense that's my big concern with him and Kami's
0: not like a defensive specialist anymore though i mean
1: he's still good he's still absolutely good really and yes he's clearly a good defensive player i mean he has been his entire career his defensive game is again similar to kyle lowry right his defensive game is based on iq and instincts more so than his speed and athleticism yeah he's still clearly a good defensive player he's pretty strong for a guy his size and I think his off ball game of three point shooting matters so much uh to you know teams who would want him. Again, I, I really see him as a slightly worse Kyle Lowry at this point in their careers, right? But he's also younger, you know, so I feel even better about giving him a long term extension even with his injuries. Yeah. I still think Conley is a guy who would be great for any contending team. Again, I, I said you know, Dallas, I think that's they strike out on Lowry. I think he probably goes there. I've heard they've been connected to him. Uh, John Hollinger, who was his GM while he was at on the Grizzlies, again, I don't know if this he has intel or just a guest said that he thinks he's going to Dallas um, for what it's worth. So I think he goes, you know, either there or again, any of so many, there's so many of these teams that need point guards. I don't really think he'll go to New York. I think it's also possible he returns to Utah, although it sounds like both sides are not looking for that to happen. And I think that Utah, one of Bogdanovich, Ingles, and Conley is gone this offseason. I don't think they have the money to bring those guys back. And I think it's most likely to be Mike Conley. Um, So outside of Dallas, I think... Maybe San Antonio again. He's a guy who I think could play next to Dejounte Murray. Mm-hmm. Uh, other than that, again, I don't really. There's just there's not that many teams with cap space this offseason. they You know, they're not. who knows? Maybe some kind of uh, sign and trade to the Suns to fill that role. The Chris Paul if Chris Paul leaves, something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, a team like that. Uh, maybe the Pelicans as well right another team who if they strike out on Lowry say Lowry goes to Dallas and you know uh Memphis tries to get Conley right i think that's a possibility
0: on the pelicans they also have their their own free agent to deal with this year and this one's a tricky one i don't know what lonzo ball's future looks like i don't know where he fits but we know what he's good at he's a good shooter he's a good defender and he's a great passer but He's not really, like, your ideal half-court facilitator because he can't get to the rim. He's great yeah, in transition, I mean, but, like, where, where is his best fit?
1: Uh, there is, well, I kind of want two answers to answer this question. I think, first of all, on Lonzo, people still look at him as a point guard, and he, he really isn't, you know? Uh, but, like, what, what else said, is he then? <laughs> like, that's the thing. A, he's a wing who happens to be an elite passer. You know, he's a, he's a three and D guy who also is an elite passer who can extend advantages that your star player creates. You know what I mean? He's excellent in chaos. Like he's, he's kind of like the guy, if you took Ben Simmons and shaved off some of the athleticism and height and gave him shooting ability, but still made him a, uh, scared to shoot a layup and go to the free throw line. I see it. I see it. You know what I mean? So he's it's it's a weird fit i think i think he is probably gone but you know i i love him back on the pelicans to be honest i think they could bring in another point guard and keep Lonzo. i think that is a a dream scenario for them in my opinion right um so i but i think outside of new orleans i think chicago and new york are the two most likely destinations you know i think he'd be really good Next to Zach Levine, uh, mm-hmm. you know, a good defender, adds spacing. Uh, you know, could really push the pace, help that team. Pull. Like that's another thing. That is the thing he does at an elite level: is outlet passing and uh, pushing the pace. Yeah, now, exactly. While I said he's not really a point guard, that's mostly in the half court. Yeah. In transition, he's one of the five probably best transition passers in the NBA. He might be the best outlet passer in the NBA outside of Nikola Jokic right like no 100% he's so, he's and he is a great passer right he uh so but he again he just can't really create those advantages so but I think those three spots I really think it's New Orleans Knicks Bowls
0: okay again another player I would love on the Celtics not really a possibility but we can hold out hope another point guard that wants to be paid a lot and I'm sure you have strong feelings about this is Dennis Schroeder I mean, I still. What he wants, like thirty million a year, right? Yeah, he's not getting it. There's no, no way, he's he, not. He's like, not. There's I think zero he's chance. Getting, he's getting fifteen.
1: Yeah, 50, twenty to fifteen. Yeah. Right, and uh, I'm just gonna say this: if Dennis is signing a contract for fifteen million dollars, if he is not on the Lakers next year, I will throw a fit. Yeah, right? I will be if they if that he's that low value. I'll be shocked if he's not on the Lakers next year. Right, they the Lakers have to ever they can, to either bring him back or sign and trade him. Letting him walk in free agency is, uh, it would be devastating for the Lakers because they really have no flexibility as far as cap space goes. And outside of Trez, if he opts in, Coots and KCP, and kind of THT again, he's a restricted free agent, but I don't think the Lakers want to let him go. They don't really have any options. You know, they need to bring back Dennis however they can. But, again, it's still up to him, right? Uh, I think he's a guy who wants a bigger role. So I think, you know, we looked at similar places to Lonzo. I think uh, New York, I think he wants to go there. Uh, I think, again, Chicago is another place. I think Dallas is another place to look at, right, if they don't get another one of those guys. I think they need another guy who can get to the rim, you know, Mm Say what you want about Dennis. He is incredible at getting to the rim. Um, and he's still a great yeah. defender as well. So I think he's a guy, again, 15 to 20 million. Because there are so many point guards on the market, I don't think he gets a big bag. Uh, I hope he's back with the Lakers next year. I think people were too harsh on his playoff performance. Again, he was great the first three games. Uh, but yeah. people just forgot about that because of the, the zero the point stinkers in, in 4 and 5, right? Yeah. So, I love him back with the Lakers. I think he will be back, too.
0: All right, interesting. Two more point guards left in our free agency mailbag. Spencer Dinwiddie and Reggie Jackson. We'll start with Dinwiddie. I mean, honestly, I feel like a lot of people forgot how good Spencer Dinwiddie was when he got hurt and when the Nets got really good. But this is a guy who's probably going to get, like, 25 mil a year. And, I mean, 20 to 25, like...
1: I th- Yeah, I think 20, yeah. 25. I don't think he'll get 25. Again, as I said with Dennis, the point guard market is so good this year. It is. You know, it sucks in every other position, but we're talking about point guards. It's great. But Spencer so, Dinwiddie is,
0: he's kind of an interesting point guard. He yeah, gives he is. you a different dimension as an offense. If you're a team that struggles with size, or you struggle with getting to the rim especially i mean
1: yeah and and playmaking i mean he's an elite playmaker and and at getting to the rim right
0: and he's a he's again he's he's a big ass point guard who will do things that most point guards can't for you i've i said this a few months ago another guy who i would love on the celtics although i would be very thrilled with any of these point guards if they were to come to the celtics but i feel like he's a team i mean uh a team that would be a great fit for him, similarly to DeRozan, the Clippers. I think he'd mm-hmm. thrive there. Yeah, I agree. Um, but yeah, he's again, he's a he's a player who needs spacing around him to excel because he's not a shooter in any regard. Um, but yeah, getting downhill, there's not many better point guards, I would say.
1: Yeah, where do you think he goes? Because again, this free agency is very, as you said, very confusing to me. I think. So many of the teams you have already mentioned for these other point guards, yeah. you know, those are the teams they're going to be all after these same guys, right? But there's only so many teams that are looking for point guards, right? As you said, New York, uh, Chicago, Dallas, uh, maybe my probably Miami, uh, yeah, New Orleans, right? Like, I feel like there's more guys than that. There's more point guards. There's more high level point guards, and that again, this one this one's teams.
0: tough. Honestly, I agree. Yeah. I mean, once once you get past Chris Paul and Lowry, like it gets really tricky. Those are the two premier targets. Let's assume Chris Paul goes back to the Suns. Right. And I guess for the sake of the argument, let's assume Lowry goes to the Heat. That leaves the Knicks with a hole at point guard. I can see them pursuing Dinwiddie. Um, depending on where DeRozan goes, although he's not technically a point guard. Again, I think DeRozan and Dinwiddie are very comparable at this point in their careers. Um, I can see them both being attracted to the Clippers, the Knicks and the Mavericks. And honestly, I can see Dinwiddie being pursued by the Pelicans too. If they don't get their, their pick of Kyle Lowry, um, or I guess Mike Conley, it's just, it really depends, dude. There's so many point guards that it really just depends on where the best ones go and what teams are left with a point guard vacancy. And again, that could be Dallas. That could be New York, but there is definitely an oversaturation of point guards on the market. Yeah, I agree. And there's another point guard left who arguably was the most productive out of all of them in the past three months, Reggie Jackson. Mm-hmm. Now, Reggie Jackson, I mean, he's really a two guard in my yeah. eyes. But, I mean, he, he made himself some money. And this is this is another guard who's going to get paid like 15 to 20 mil a year, I think.
1: Yeah, I mean, where I think he goes... It's likely he gets paid more than Dennis.
0: Oh, 100%, especially given the recency bias. I mean, the parity in their play at the end of the playoffs is pretty wild. But, Reggie Jackson, he needs to go to a team that already has a point guard, in my opinion, because he's not a playmaker, he's not a facilitator whatsoever, but he showed flashes of being a really elite shot creator in the the end of the playoffs this year. I mean, especially from beyond the arc. That was one of the most impressive improvements I thought he made in his game, and he's definitely going to get paid for that. I think a team to watch out for him, honestly, is Dallas, because... They would love to have a shooter of his caliber playing alongside Luka. And yeah, he's not a facilitator per se, but he can put the ball in the court. So mm-hmm. all the teams that we've mentioned can probably apply to Reggie Jackson. But I think realistically, it's going to be a team that already has someone facilitating.
1: Yeah, I, can they bring him back too? I mean, I think they, uh, no, they yeah, can't. Okay. Yeah,
0: they can't pay him, I don't think. I mean, <laughs> I don't think that would be a smart move either. Because as great as he was for them, he's not really the best fit if that makes any sense. I mean, he was when he was shooting the lights out, but I think they need to pursue someone else. Um, All right, so that pretty much wraps up the point guard list. They're pretty much all point guards, aside from yeah, John Yeah, I think 75% of our
1: list is uh, point guards. but um, so Everything we said about guy, Reggie
0: Jackson could go for Norm Powell, I would say.
1: Uh, I kind of disagree, but I think – I will say about Norm Powell, I think he's better than Reggie Jackson. You he's better? And I also – I do think he's better. Uh, okay. I also am quite confident he's staying in New Orleans. There's no way they give up uh, Gary Trent Jr. for to keep uh, Norman Powell for half a year. Like he, he's coming back. He's coming so back. I don't think there's. Yeah, I don't think there's much. Uh, you know, debate that he they have all the leverage, or he has all the leverage over them to get as much money as possible. I think they they trade CJ. He slides into the two guard spot. I think that's pretty clear to me
0: okay Uh, yeah and I like that fit too but that leaves us with Duncan Robinson who I think is going to get overpaid personally yeah I know we value shooting but I mean like he kind of had a fall off from his breakout year with the bubble and we saw what happened to Joe Harris when his shot wasn't falling he's a tricky free agent I'm not sure if I'd be comfortable throwing a ton of money at him what about what do you think yes
1: uh, I kind of agree. Uh, he does have, you know, limited impact when his shot isn't falling. But, you know, he's such a great shooter. The gravity is still going to be there. And I think if he's absolutely worth the contract if you're the Miami Heat. You yeah. know, he he is such a big part of their offensive system. You know, you you can get away with having Jimmy and Bam who don't really shoot threes just because of the the dribble handoff action between Bam and Duncan Robinson. Yeah. I mean, like he allows their offense to function. So I really think he'll be back. I think Miami kind of just has to bring him back. At least if they don't get, you know, a guy like Kyle Lowry or a really high level player. He's just so important to them. I I really don't see a way he's not back. Yeah. Uh, I agree. I mean I thought he was like
0: he was the crux of their offense when it was at its peak in the bubble. I mean, watching him get the dribble handoff from Bam was like terrifying. It was actually the worst thing ever. I mean, the amount of attention he drew was pretty ridiculous. But I feel like, honestly, at this point, he's kind of like, you know what Duncan Robinson is. He's a great shooter, and that's it. And I don't really see him adding a layer to his game, unfortunately. But, and, you know, in this league, that's enough, honestly. Another –
1: right, I think last uh, player we'll talk about is uh, Rashawn Holmes of yeah. the Sacramento Kings. Yep. To me, I I think he's going to the Charlotte Hornets. I know there's reports that Sacramento wants to bring him back, but I think Charlotte can offer him a bigger contract, and they are in desperate need for a center. I mean, Bismack Biyombo was starting games for them last year. <laughs> yeah. Unacceptable, especially when you have a playmaker like Lamelo. Adding a lob that is is just unnecessary, right? So yep. I think he's probably going to Charlotte, and he's a really really good player. I love his game. He is that great floater that he's just so good at. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, great lob threat. And he's, again, average on defense. That matters a lot when you're a big man.
0: I love that fit, honestly. That's that's really pretty perfect. And the Hornets with Hayward healthy next year, we assume, although that's never a guarantee. Uh, that's going to be a really interesting team, honestly. One last free agent, and we're going to use this to pivot into the Celtics real quick. Um, Evan Fournier. I think the Celtics have to bring Evan Fournier back because that's pretty much the only thing they can do in free agency. They're going to have no cap space regardless, but he was a great fit with them. They need more shot creation and man, he was on fire in the FIBA games. He's actually a nut on the French team, but I definitely want him back for like, you know, the tune of a three-year $45 million deal or a two-year $30 million deal. I think he's going to want That's probably the money he'll draw, but personally, I think it's worth every cent because they need all the help they can get. Um, Yeah, I I mean, honestly, to go into the Celtics' offseason wish list pretty quickly, I don't know why I had a brain fart and thought they had the 16th pick. I got really excited earlier. (laughs) But unfortunately, again, that pick's gone with the Horford trade. Can't be too upset about that. The Celtics, though, if there's any Celtics fans still listening... There's not many things we can do, unfortunately. We don't have any assets to trade unless you're giving up Jalen Brown, which we're not. We don't have any really attractive young players outside of Jalen Brown who are available for trade. It's going to be an offseason with little activity. Hopefully some good free agent veteran signings. Um, And honestly, at this point, all we can do is hope that Jason Tatum becomes a top five player in the league. Because that's our only path forward. But... That about does it for my um off season wish list. Internal improvements and an Evan Fournier extension. Maybe bring in a, a veteran point guard. Um aside from that, again, not too
1: much flexibility. As far as the Lakers go, uh there's definitely a lot that I think the Lakers need to do this offseason. Um but they just don't have a lot of flexibility. You know what I mean? There's a report that uh the Lakers have offered, you know, KCB and Coos to every team in the league, which, you know, I think people made fun of that but it was just doing their due diligence because those are the only two players the Lakers have under contract right now yep. that are not named lebron james and nathan davis and marcus all too but um nobody would want to trade for him and he's like three <laughs> million dollars right so yeah um but i think you know they have to get either a shooter or a shot creator preferably both which is why i think these buddy healed rumors are surfacing and i think you know this projected trade Whether it will actually happen, I don't know, because the Lakers have been really good about leaks under Rob Polinka, right? No one saw the Dennis Shooter trade coming. Like, there's no reports about that happening. Mm -hmm. And it came out of the blue. And then, you know, I think it's likely that Sacramento is just leaking these offers for value on Buddy Heald. But I would still love Buddy on the Lakers uh, for that reported package, which would be, you know, Trez and Kuz. And now it's been reported the Lakers have added pick 22, which... Again, I I said this uh, to you earlier. I think having the pick twenty two is a slight overpay for Buddy. But you know, when you're the Lakers, you still have to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Buddy would add just a dimension the Lakers simply do not have. Uh, he's one of the best shooters. You know, he's probably a, a, one of the five best shooters in the NBA. Right? I don't think people realize how great Buddy Heal is at shooting the basketball. Which that's you know why, why I'm confused threes?
0: why you think that the twenty two is an overpay. I I, because, I mean, guaranteed this
1: draft class is loaded, but like. It's Buddy Heald. I think it's... I, yeah, I'll talk about that when I talk about the trade from the Kings side. Why I think the 22 is a slight overpay for the Lakers. But back to Buddy Healed. You know how many threes he attempted last season? Probably like nine. Ten threes a game. He's third in the NBA and three points attempted and shot it at 39%. Yeah. That is elite volume. I mean, it's the better only... better than Duncan. Think, yeah, again, he is a better shooter than Duncan. Probably, right? Yeah. Uh, oh, he's definitely sp- a, he a has, more
0: polished and a more, you know,
1: yeah, more proven like he, shooter. He shot three and a half pull-up threes a game, 37% from three. Yeah. Not many guys can do that, right? Third in the NBA in 3 point attempts, only behind Dame and Steph. Like, that is nuts. You know, he's a great shooter, and he's a guy who you just cannot sag on. You You can't do it. He will make you pay 46% on open threes. I believe the last three seasons. Unbelievable. Right? Like, One of the best shooters going to be. I love that tree for the Lakers, but it does leave some problems. If they trade coups, I have no idea what they're going to do as far as wings go because they, the options are just not really there in free agency. Like I think maybe the best player that the Lakers can sign with their taxpayer uh, MLE as that's a wing is like James Ennis, maybe (laughs) Otto Porter, (laughs) if he wants to take a huge pay cut. You know, these are not names that are, you know, elite players, right? Like, hopefully get a guy who can just defend average and shoot, like, Mo Harkless. Like, I'd be happy if the Lakers (laughs) bring in Mo Harkless. You know, that's how desperate their wing situation will be if they trade Kuz, which is why I am, I, I love the idea of getting Buddy, right? But that's another reason why I'm worried about throwing 22 in there as well, right? Okay. It's just tough, but... As far as like the, the Kings' perspective, you know, I actually think this is a good trade for them as well. You know, while they're losing the best player, Buddy has been in Luke Walton's doghouse for a while now. Ever since he got benched for Bojan, uh, two seasons ago, right? They've mm-hmm. had some beef. I think he wants to move on. Luke the Walton wants to sucks. move on from him. Just throwing that yeah, in there. Yeah, he, he does. Uh, and they want Tyrese Halliburton to play more minutes. And the other thing is, if Rashawn Holmes walks, they're gonna need a center to take his minutes. Trez would be perfect for them to get set up by. Uh, Fox and a uh, Halley and then Kuz is a guy you know he's gotten a lot of slander the last couple of years, but I do think a lot of that is simply because of how flux, how how his role has been so inconsistent. You know, mm-hmm. um, he has just had a tough time staying in rhythm with playing behind LeBron and AD and the injuries, right? And he's absolutely improved his defense and his rebounding, and he played great under Luke Walton. You know, he plays well in that up pace or high tempo system that Luke Wallen plays with. And I think, you know, he can be another guy to help score points on that Sacramento team. I think he can get back to, you know, 16, 17 points per game if he goes to Sacramento, get some shots up and, uh, you know, hopefully get his three point shot back. And, you know, all the things that made him such a great score his first couple of years in the league. Hmm. All right.
0: That about does it for us. Um, thank you guys for sticking around till the end. I know we had yeah, a lot to get through today. longest podcast we've ever done. Longest podcast we've ever done, and rightfully so, because we were late on the finals recap, and there's just so much going on this year with the draft oh, yeah. and free agency right next to, to each other. It's going to be a crazy night. Um, I hope you guys are all tuning in tonight at 7.30 on ESPN. Watch the NBA draft, see if our dreams come true. And with that in mind, we'll see you guys next week. Thank you so much.